Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we do have to let the stream breathe here just for a couple of seconds. Got to make sure we've got Facebook on here with us tonight. And our great audience at Facebook is connected with us. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always, my partner in crime, you know him, you love him, my fellow football priest, Zach Kelberman. Zach, did we, of course, we're off last night as far as the podcast goes, and uh, a lot of, lot of news, but just the last 24 hours, so much to go through. But I wanted to start with getting your take on this. This I want to say it was Brandon Cristal of KOA that broke the news that Nigel Bradham, now for those of you who might not be 100% certain who Nigel Bradham is, veteran linebacker, ex, uh, ex-Saint, right? Ex-Bill, I want to say. Uh, anyway, signed with Eagle. the Broncos. And he did get promoted to, to I should say, elevated to the, to, the, to the active roster for one game. But he just quit today. He just walked away from the from the Denver Broncos. What's your reaction? Can't say I blame him. I, I mean, they gave him 17 snaps all on special teams. No defensive snaps. And this is a veteran, capable inside linebacker who signed with the Broncos probably under the premise he's going to get some playing time on defense. It, it, I know it's a small issue, and he's, he's not this all-pro guy, but it calls into question the way the Broncos have been managing personnel this season, from DeMar Dotson to Devontae Bosby and now to Nigel Bradham. You wonder about the coaches. You wonder about what they're thinking, what they're seeing, the way they judge this talent. It's not an Elway problem. This is a Fangio problem and a coaching problem. Again, Nigel Bradham, he wasn't going to be the savior of the season, but to not play him at all, and when you have guys like Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson getting exposed in pass coverage, and Nigel Bradham's specialty is what? Pass coverage? Makes no sense. It's bizarre. It really is. I mean, <clears throat> I guess on one hand, I can understand that Vic Fangio, you know, he feels like he can trust Jewell and, and Johnson because both of them now have two full years in, in his scheme under their belt. But, man, from a coverage perspective, you nailed it, dude. Like, this team – I mean, I wouldn't say it's been as bad as it has in in years past in terms of the middle of the field just getting picked apart by opponents. It's been slightly better, and I think Fangio's X's and O's is what accounts for that. But neither Johnson nor Jewel have been good in coverage. And even Alexander Johnson today, Zach, you know, he's like, hey, I've been solid. I haven't been that good uh, this year. Uh, That's me paraphrasing. I've been solid. (laughs) Talked about the fact that he's been unable to get those takeaways, those game-changing type of plays, 
interceptions, forced fumbles. Those have been few and far between for Alexander Johnson this year. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should have replaced uh, Alexander Johnson with a Nigel Bradham, but as a nickel linebackers act, swinging him in there to run against, uh, at least to help you cover the middle of the field, whether it's wideouts, tight ends, running backs on the outlet. It just seemed like a, a colossal waste of opportunity. What do you have to lose putting him in there? You have everything to gain. He, again, he wasn't going to be Patrick Willis, a, a three-down guy for the next 10 years. You haven't had a pass covering an inside linebacker since Danny Trevathan. You finally pick up a guy off the scrap heap, and you don't even play him. And again, that, like DeMar Dotson took an injury to Wilkinson for DeMar Dotson to play. The scary part is, though, this is a defensive player, and the head coach of the team is a defensive coordinator. That's his supposed specialty. I, I can't really explain why. Uh, I know he battled some injuries. I know he, he maybe took a little longer to learn the playbook, but to not look at that, not one defensive snap in the weeks he was on the team. If he played one horrible game and he decided to walk away or they cut him fine, but not to give him any opportunity in this kind of season. Can't, can't explain it. Dude. I think honestly, I think this is, it doesn't really explain. I think it's part of the explanation. It's not the, it's not the complete picture here, but I think because they paid Mark Barron, because remember, Nigel oh. Bradham was, was part of the initial consideration when they ultimately chose to sign Mark Barron after, uh, what's the kid's name, Justin Sternod got hurt in training camp, right? The rookie fifth-round pick. They went out and looked around. They talked to a bunch of different linebackers, ended up going with Mark Barron. Nigel Bradham was one of the linebackers they talked to then. He wanted more money uh, than they were willing to pay at the time, so they went with Mark Barron. They're on the hook for that money they paid Barron. He's been on injured reserve, right? He's barely even practiced as a Bronco because he literally showed up, uh, whatever his hamstring problem was, and then it was it just persisted. And then he got dinged up something else, in I want to say, in, uh, in practice. And then so they put him on injured reserve. But, Zach, for the last week or so, Barron has been back out on the field practicing. So I think this might also have something to do. This is just me reading the tea leaves. This is not me trying to report any insight or anything I've picked up from you know, a source or anything like that. I think this is also Bradham kind of reading the, the, you know, licking his thumb, putting it up in the air, which way the wind's blowing. The wind's blowing towards Mark Barron being the guy that gets that opportunity, not him. The wind's also blowing and making the Broncos a dumpster fire. And Nigel Bradham is a veteran player, and he walks away. I don't think he's retiring based on the tone of that tweet. It looks like he wants to play for a contending team. And how could you blame him? Not only are the Broncos bad this year, he's not even playing for a bad team. And he's more than capable. He's almost overqualified to be a Broncos inside linebacker. So I don't blame him at all. I blame the Broncos for not playing the guy. It, it astounds me. As you guys can see from my background, I'm still traveling this week taking care of some family business, seeing some family. It's been really great, but I have been dependent on hotel Wi-Fi these last few days. And so I, hopefully it's we're okay tonight. I'm not on any kind of a time crunch. I don't have to dip out early tonight, but Zach and John and our listeners, you got to let me know if there's any kind of quality issue. If I start breaking up or freezing, let me know and, and we'll try and see if we can find a way around it. But nevertheless, guys, we have so much more to get to. I can see what's on everyone's mind at the top here anyway is what's going on with Drew Locke. Zach's been writing a lot about that the last few days. We're going to get to that here in just a few minutes. First, though, what we got to do is take care of some very, very quick matters of business, starting with tonight's sponsor of this live stream. Gang, in the state of Colorado, gambling is now legal, and sportsbetting.com is the no-brainer destination for sports fans, and here's why. You get sharp odds, low juice, 
You get hassle-free bonuses, which you can roll over after getting it, uh, after using it one time. A 24-7 live customer support, and it's always a real person in the United States. But the kicker, and this is what everyone really needs to pay attention to, is at sportsbetting.com right now, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. And it's not just one bet, but all of your bets. And the way it works to really boil it down, simplify is you play for a week. If your losses exceed your winnings, at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000, and you can roll that over uh, after using after one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle, and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. All right, guys, really quick here. We will uh, get to your questions to the stream, some super chats I can see there, but first a couple of quick additional call-outs here as the show and as, as MHH continues to grow, especially on YouTube and Facebook and on Apple Podcasts. we got to make sure everyone knows how to connect with us on social media. Keep the conversation going. First and foremost, on Twitter, follow the podcast at HuddleUp and then the main account at Mile High Huddle. And my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then, gang, also a gentle reminder to uh, head on over to the merch store, and get your get your swag on huddleuppod.com. Oh, as you can see here, nice work, John. As you can see here from one of the superstars in our community, Muhammad, he sent us a nice little. I mean, it looks like we paid this cat to uh, to, to model MHH swag. He's got the he's got the trucker hat. He's got the state of being hoodie. Looks sharp. Looks good. Looks like he's about to drop the hottest mixtape of 2020. Yes, dude. So, Muhammad, you're a stud, and uh, we got that up on Instagram as well. Because uh, you know, when you guys get the when you when the merch shows up, we want you to send us these selfies. Maybe you're as savvy as Muhammad, and you and you take time to stage, and you have someone take it, and and you really help MHH out. But Muhammad, you're a superstar in more ways yes. than one, my friend. Look, as you can see, the hat, the hoodie, there's face masks, there's mugs, there's tank tops, there's t-shirts. There's a little something for everybody, and it's a, it's another way to support what we're doing here at. Mile high huddle. So shout out to you, Muhammad, and you know we appreciate you, my friend. Also, uh, one last thing here on Facebook as we continue to grow across ninety thousand followers in our community on Facebook. If you'd like to become an official supporter, though, on Facebook, just go to the page facebook.com/slash mile high huddle. You'll see the big blue button, and even right now, if you're watching on Facebook, there's a there's a little thing in the in the chat stream that can that you click that and you can become a supporter. So. Uh, it's it's another way to support what we're doing here if, if you would like to. And if not, if you're not in a position to, to do those things and patronize the merch store, we're just happy to have you here. And we thank you for being with us. We do ask that you do these three things. And most of you do. You subscribe, like this video, especially crucial on YouTube, especially crucial on Facebook. And the great litmus test for Zach and I, are we doing a good job, is how much we see you sharing this content out there. If you think we're doing a good job for you on a day in and day out basis, share this video out on YouTube, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on your social media. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. 
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, the brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. It's never been easier to do good in the world, to do something, to make a difference. And Coors Hard Seltzer is paving the way by launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Course Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works, each 12-pack of Course Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results, 1 billion, that's with a B, gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. Also, with Coarse Heart Seltzer, you're getting four refreshing flavors, and it's one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. The specs are in, gang. Coarse Heart Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I can speak from firsthand certainty that nothing quite takes the sting off a tough defeat like a Coarse Heart Seltzer. I know that everything will be all right that I got my black cherry handy, trusty Coors Hard Seltzer for a football fan, win or loss, it's the way to go. You heard it here, gang. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You, yes, you can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It really is that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, real quick, John, I know we have a few supers, but I want to grab this question because Zach has been on top of this storyline uh, this uh, the last few days. William Swenson on YouTube wants to know, is Drew Locke going to miss this Sunday? And is it Brett Rippin time? I smell a win. LOL. Maybe. So, Zach, I'll just set this up by saying everyone knows that Drew Locke woke up. We talked about this on Monday night's Aftermath pod. You know, he was he was walking around, banged up during the Raiders game, woke up on Monday and was a lot more sore than he realized he was yeah. going to be. Drop some knowledge on us on where things stand up to this point. 
Well, he did not practice today. He was officially a DNP. He did not even stretch with the team today. He he watched Brett Rippon take the majority of first team reps, and uh, right now it's looking like Brett Rippon will start Sunday. The only caveat there, uh, Locke has to get at least a limited practice on Thursday and Friday. Fangio said Locke is unlikely to play, barring more practice time. So. Uh, right now, if they had to make a decision, it's Brett Rippon. But Locke, if he gets healthier, uh, Fangio said today he's making good progress. He feels better than he did Monday morning. That's only good in 48 hours. But it's a pain tolerance issue. It's a rib issue. Uh, there's no fractured ribs. There's no structural damage. He has really bad uh, straining and bruising in his abdominal area, his ribs area. Um, but if he can heal up in time, he'll play. But right now, it's going to be Brett Rippon against that stingy, aggressive Dolphins defense at a mile high on Sunday, Chad. And you know what? I know he has a big fan base out there, Brett Rippon, but this is like throwing uh, a, a sheep to the wolves, so to speak. I don't like it. Seriously. Like if Drew Locke can't – if it's not like the – look, dude, it's the, it's the NFL. You're a starting quarterback. As the Denver Broncos, he is your starting quarterback. And let, I mean – Pro quarterbacks, even when they're banged up, like think back to Peyton Manning. I want to I want to speak specifically of the 2014 season. I know he had the foot and he missed a lot of time in his final year in 2015. But in 2014, he nursed a high ankle sprain down the stretch that really compromised him. That's why if you go back and look at his game logs uh, from 2014, you see all this prolific production in the first half of the season. And then it really kind of tails off down the stretch. And it's because he had that high ankle sprain that just really robbed him of what modest uh, athletic let's just say control that he had as a quarterback approaching 40. And, you know, it's, but in those situations, Zach, there are things that the training staff can do and and not just treatment in terms of the the day-to-day stuff, but on game day, they can, there's meds they can take, there's shots they can take to allow them to, 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 you know, not be as encumbered by pain. And I get it. It's ribs and ribs are, you know, all those muscles connect and, you know, it's different when you're trying to torque and throw, but listen, unless this dude has a broken bone or a broken, um, you know, tendon in his knee or his elbow or his, dude, this guy should play. And if the Broncos yeah. are even entertaining the possibility, and they obviously are because they're talking about it publicly, it's to me, it's just a, it's, it's an excuse. It's a, it's a, it's them thrown in the towel when at this point they should be doubling down on Drew Locke, if only Zach, for what remains in this season. If this dude just can't throw and he's in so much pain that he can't throw, okay, well, but why does he have to practice every single day in order to justify keeping his starting job? He's the quarterback. Like he should be able to, he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I get it that he's young, but if you can't trust this dude to go through the mental reps, sit in on all the game planning meetings, sit in on all the, the, the game prep that he needs to, if you can't trust him to show up still on Sunday and play, then that's a, that's an indictment in and of itself. Well, there's a theory out there in Broncos country that they're doing to Drew Locke what they did to Joe Flacco last year, which is use an injury to justify his benching or to move on from him or turn the page on him. I don't think they're there yet. They have to decide one way or the other. They have to see more on Locke. And Fangio said he committed to him after the game. You wrote the article, Chad, after the Broncos lost. He's still their quarterback. And Fangio said himself he he wants to see Locke play. He needs to have more time on task uh, to quote you. But if Drew, he's going to want to play. He's not going to want to sit this one out. He's not going to want to be Wally Pipped. By Brett Rippon. If Fangio comes in there and lays down the law and says, you're not playing even though you can, that should tell you all you have to know about Vic Fangio as the leader of men and as the head coach of this team. Right now, they're at a crisis point. Right now, they're at a fork right in the road. And which way they go will determine a lot about the future of the organization, not just with Locke, but with Fangio as well. Last thing I want to say is, 
the the risk they run if and we're going to grab Don right here next. The risk they run if they do end up going, we wanted a perfect week of preparation for Drew, and because it's not an absolutely perfect week of preparation, we're going to sit him down on Sunday against the Dolphins. You know, even if Brett Rippon comes in and plays well, but the Broncos lose, just because of the state of the team right now, it's only going to because right now I wouldn't say that it's a quarterback controversy. I really wouldn't. I know there's a, there's uh, Brett Rippon has his his fan club, as modest as it might be, but it's not a bona fide quarterback controversy yet. But if you play Brett Rippon unnecessarily in week 11, and even if the Broncos lose, but, you know, kind of like the Jets game, he throws a couple of touchdowns, there's some action, you know, they get into the 30s point-wise, but it's in a losing effort. Fans are so desperate and starved for anything offensively, you're only going to create more of a negative, a negative upswell of momentum Drew Locke's way. Real quick from Don here. He says on YouTube, what's going to be a good measuring stick if Rippon can go out there and show poise and good judgment reading the defense? It will prove show that Locke is not the future of the Broncos. So in other words, if he goes out there and shows good poise, judgment, hangs in there, uh, it's it's an indictment on Drew Locke. I, I don't see how they're mutually exclusive there. If he has good poise and looks okay and competent against the Dolphins, that means Locke is not the future of the organization, or is that more of an indictment on Ribbon's talent and what Ribbon brings to the table? Just to hop on my previous point, though, I agree with you. Uh, if it's a pain tolerance issue, Drew Brees had a collapsed lung. He wore a flak jacket before last week's game, and he played through the injury. It wasn't just a, a new ribs injury for Brees last week. He played through it, so Locke could as well. But again, though, if they decide to play Brett Rippon, and let's say they play Rippon and Rippon goes out there and, and loses badly or the Broncos lose badly, that would destroy whatever shred is left of Locke's confidence. They would It would signal to him that they're not high on him anymore. They're throwing in the towel for a guy who wasn't even drafted. Just like that, poof, his franchise standing is gone. So Fangio's playing with fire here. If Locke is healthy, he needs to play. If he's not healthy, that's another story. But if they're flackling him, it's not going to work out good for Fangio or the Broncos. Real quick, have I how how's my interconnect uh, internet good. connection been up to this point? So far, so good. Okay. Uh, real quick, now uh, Kelsey, I'm not sure. Uh, let me see. A competitor, former. Uh, okay, so God bless her. Um, random Twitter user. I can't verify these stats. I'm going off faith here, but there's no reason to believe this person is lying. Here's, But it's good perspective here, Zach, okay? And shout out to our friend Larry, Broncos fan number 24 on YouTube for bringing this to my attention. He retweeted this. Um, she said, for everyone in Broncos country with the, and meanwhile, Josh Allen talk, I'd like to remind you of his stats through his first 12 games. Five and seven as a, as a starter in those games, 53% completion. 172 yards passing per game, 10 uh, touchdowns, 12 picks. Looks kind of like Drew Locke's stats, if you ask me. Because what were his stats last year? Seven to three, I want to say. And he's got uh, six, right? Six, or is it now seven? 14 touchdowns to 11 picks. This So up to this point. But it's still perspective, Zach. She says, looks like kind of like Drew Locke's stats, if you ask me. Hashtag patience, hashtag chill. And that doesn't guarantee, obviously, that uh, Drew Locke is going to perfectly challenge arc with the Bills because, honestly, the Bills and the Broncos, in, if you take those two different years, 2018-2019 um, for the Bills and 2019-2020 for, for the Broncos, they're still two teams that kind of had different – You know, they're, they're, it's not quite the same, and especially this year for the Broncos who have just been decimated by injuries. But what are your thoughts to that, that it's, it's just another reminder that 
you don't want to bury a guy and turn the page too early because look what he could become. And maybe Drew Locke isn't exactly the talent that Josh Allen is overall. And I think there's a fair argument to be made uh, in Allen's behalf, that particular topic. But what are your thoughts on that? I, I don't, it's common sense. First of all, obviously locks a young quarterback and young quarterbacks go through struggles. Every young quarterback we've been asked to compare lock to different quarterbacks like, you know, Matt Stafford, uh, like a Josh Allen, every single quarterback is unique. Lock was never coming in to be the next Mahomes, the next Romo, the next Favre. He was always going to be the next Drew Lock or the first Drew Lock. So you can make the comparison. You can look for your, your straw man arguments. No disrespect to the, the Twitter user who made that point, but it's the it's the process. It's the roller coaster of a young quarterback. But what are two things that Josh Allen has that Lock doesn't have, aside from having an injury ruined team, an offensive line that's capable and keeping him upright for the most part, and also good coaching. Brian Dayball in Buffalo, he was written off. He used to coach for the Jets. He he was he's done a bang up job with Josh Allen. He turned him into an MVP candidate, if not front runner this season. He amazes with his legs, with his arm. He has great handling, great coaching, great situational management. I'm not saying if you put Locke on Buffalo, he has the same numbers. I just want to see Locke with that level of coaching, like a Josh Allen gets, like a Kyler Murray gets, like a Patrick Mahomes gets. I'm with you that I, I I now have up to this from what I've seen from Pat Shermer, I now have some very serious doubts that he's ever going to get that from this particular offensive coordinator. But at the same time, you know, I look at Mike Shula and his track record in the league as not only a, a quarterback's coach and a quarterback's guy, former quarterback himself, but as an offensive uh, coordinator and play call. I mean, it's just so mystifying why this offense has failed to even even show any awareness in terms of you look at you look at the game plan and balance, right? I mean, when when Philip Lindsay gets four touches, even Melvin Gordon, ten touches combined, they get fifteen or less touches in a single game. Listen, that that Raiders game, Zach, the Broncos did not really lose control of that thing till the end of the third quarter, and it was still just out of whack. That's a game planning. That's an offensive. Uh, you know, tactical mistake. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Josh Johnson jumping in. Appreciate the super chat, Joshua. And uh, if you are on Twitter, even if you're already following myself, Zach, the, the, the podcast, if you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out. Let us know exactly who you are, because a lot of times the handle on YouTube might be different than what it is on Twitter, and we don't always recognize who's who. So reach out, connect with us. Uh, he says, like I tried to say, Fangio has an ego problem. I'm not sure exactly where that's coming from, like what if what that's in reference to, Zach, but what are your thoughts? Well, we all know that Elway has a massive ego, and we thought that they would be working um, closely together and well together because Fangio doesn't really have that ego. He's an old-school guy. He's more of a quiet guy, but he likes things done his way as well. I mean, he's put himself at the forefront pretty much since his opening presser. He called out Von Miller. He established that it's going to be his way or the highway. I, I wouldn't say it's an ego issue. I'd say it's a stubborn issue. Uh, Vic Fangio is a very stubborn coach, and I, I'd be willing to be willing to bet he's a very stubborn man. And his stubbornness is ruining the Broncos, or at least detrimental to the Broncos' chances. Uh, the, the the Nigel Bradham situation in particular, not to give him one defensive snap because he thinks Fangio, he thinks his guys – he thinks Josie Jewell, the guys he's coaching, A.J. Johnson, the guys that it's been his system, he's been picking, he's been playing, could be better than a guy they had to sign off the street that maybe Elway discovered. So I wouldn't say ego, but I definitely say uh, Fangio is very stubborn, and it's it's shaping his narrative as the Broncos head coach, I think. I think part of it is how long he's been in the league and he, the ups and downs as an assistant that he saw um, and experienced, and I think that – it's it's creating almost a misguided kind of loyalty, at least in the case of Tom McMahon. With Pat Shermer, I mean, at a certain point, I know that he hitched his start of Pat Shermer with that fateful decision to fire Rich Gangarello. But at a certain point, even out of just your own sense of self-preservation, like if you're not going in there and getting in this dude's grill um, and saying, look, man, you got you to gotta batten down the hatches. You got to get back to basics here. There is no excuse for us. You have two Pro Bowl running backs dude and you're you're not running the ball you're not even trying to establish the run listen telegraphing the fact that you're going to run on second and 10 is not a sincere committed approach to establishing the run uh we're going to get to Devonte here in just one second d thanks for bringing it up my friend uh we are going to get to that oh might as well do it now all right so yesterday zach you had the story the broncos release Devonte harrison for those of you who missed it, there's basically been two games in which Devontae Harris uh, really saw action. I, on, well, one game on defense, multiple games on specials, but two games in which he popped and not in a good way, and they came in back-to-back weeks. Surprise, surprise, they finally pulled the plug, and he got swooped up and claimed by the Ravens. So he went from a 3-6 and six squad to a 6-3 and three squad. Watch how well he plays now. Like every other former Broncos, it's, it seems like. But yeah, they were making room for some, some other uh, players coming back from injury. They did sign Jordan Leggett to the practice squad. So the Broncos did some roster shuffling, but it was three weeks too late. They released the guy now after the disastrous Falcons outing when they could have just had Devontae Bosby on the roster. Not only did they release Bosby, they kept Harris and then were forced to cut him because they finally admitted they made a mistake. Let me just, Chad, real quick before I forget this, my previous point about Fangio and the coaching staff to your point about Tom McMahon. Someone tagged me on Twitter, uh, Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, on the sideline on Sunday's game. He ripped into, I think it was a special teams coordinator, he was pissed off. Off. That's yeah, when, uh, what I, 
when, when Corderell Patterson returned to kick to, to, to the house. That's what I want to see from Vic Fangio. And also, another point today, the Giants, they've won two games in a row now. In that NFC East, they're actually alive to win that division. What did they do? They fired their offensive line coach. And you can, there's rumors as to what happened there, but Joe Judds, a rookie head coach, had enough grapefruits, cashews, whatever you want to say, to make a change to his coaching staff that he felt would be beneficial. He brought in his own guy. There is no reason why Tom McMahon should still have a job today. I've been tweeting it every single day. There's no reason why. There's no accountability, Chad. It all starts at the top, and this is why I go back to Fangio being so stubborn, it's actually hurting Denver now. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You can't uh, refute it. And Muhammad jumping in on Super Chat. Thanks, my friend. Really appreciate it. He says, I missed you guys. We missed you too, man. We we chomp at the bit on the days in which we're off. We're off on Tuesdays, Saturdays. Tuesdays, Fridays, Saturdays. And, uh, of course, we miss you guys during that period. And also quick shout out to Jerry, one of our Facebook supporters. Good to see you, my friend. Look at that rocking the MHH face mask like a boss, but uh, you know, that's accountability. It's really becoming an issue for the Denver Broncos because you know, when, when things go sideways, here's, here's a good example. Last, last year, Drew Locke talked about under the coaching and tutelage of Rich Gangarello and TC McCartney that, Hey man, the way he was coached was it's okay to make a mistake. You're a rookie. It's going to happen. What we want to avoid is making the same mistake twice or repeating the mistake, right? In the case of the Denver Broncos, that's just a that's just a small example. This there have been so many there have been so many instances in 2020 between players, coaches screwing up big time with lack of accountability that at a certain point the message that gets sent is just that it doesn't matter, you know, if there's there's no skin in the game. I can do this, I can do that, they can do this, they can do that. No consequences, no ramifications. And all the while, Fangio is at risk of losing control. And look, he's lost control. This is a three and six club. Their odds of making the playoffs this year are next to zero. I mean, they're not mathematically eliminated yet, but their odds are next to zero, Zach. So maybe he's just resigned to his fate. Maybe the message has come from on high, Zach, that, hey, you know, stay, stay the course. You know, this was a bad year. We got hit by the injury bug, the the pandemic, all this stuff. You, this is a macro perspective where we're going to develop, guys. This is all about 2021. But if that's the case, that goes right back to our conversation earlier about Drew Locke. In what world would you even consider not starting him this coming Sunday unless he's like, you know, literally incapacitated? Unless Fangio got a written guarantee he's coming back as the coach next season, which he hasn't gotten yet, based on what we know. Uh, there's no reason why Fangio, you know, I'm not saying blow it all up. I know it's a little reactionary and impulsive, but there's no reason why he can't show at least emotion on the sideline chat. He's, he, I can't stand stoic head coaches, and he is the most stoic head coach I've seen in a Broncos sideline in quite a while. Even Vance was getting mad. Vance was going off on the sideline. He Fangio stands there with his arms crossed. His face has the same reaction. The most he does is pace up and down the sideline. That's it. And his players and his team reflect that. There's no energy. There's no passion, aggressiveness. They look to their leader of men, and that's how he's leading them. And you see the results. The queen of MHH jumping in off the top rope as she so often does. Christy, we love you so much and and appreciate you. And, you know, it's like tonight, you're going to do what? I got to do my podcast. I got to go break it down, do the the Broncos. And I got this. People are like, my family is like, wait, but – what? It's because of you guys, right? Even when I'm not quote unquote in the office, even when I'm quote unquote kind of, you know, out and about or 
on the road or whatever, I, I feel a responsibility. I feel a, um, that's the best way to put it. I feel a commitment to show up for you guys. Just like I said about your luck, unless I'm on a stretcher, all right, knock on wood, I'm going to show up and, and Christy, this kind of love and this kind of support is, is really what exemplifies that, that commitment for myself, for Zach, for our whole show, the, for all of MHH. So thank you so much for, for, that generosity and everything you do for this community. She says, missed you all for the last few. Hope you all are doing good. Glad to finally catch it live. Thanks guys. And go Broncos. Thank you, Christy. And to echo what Chad said, that's exactly why you're the queen and our appreciation and gratitude for you. It really knows no bounds. So thank you very much. Bronco Batman in the hizzy. Good to see you, my friend and appreciate the, the super chat as always. He says, uh, hope not, but the infamous guy looking back meme." Uh, hope not, but the infamous guy looking back mean be the Broncos. Drew, oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Drew is the girl with the disgusted look. John is the guy looking back. The other girl is the draft QB prospect. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm so this this is an issue that to me at this point is clear as mud. Meaning that just I don't trust the Broncos to handle if if they're really going to bail on lock this early. And I'm not look, he's been bad, okay, but like you you got to try and work him through this, at least for 2020. If they're really going to use this as an opportunity to bounce on lock, I, I'm sorry, dude. I don't, I'm not, I can't trust John Elway and this front office, Matt Russell, to go through another quarterback evaluation process in the draft. So, you know, look, basically what I'm saying is if you turn the page from Drew Locke, why should you, why should John Elway keep his job? Why should John Elway have any kind of benefit of the doubt? in 2021, I'm saying that he can be the guy to pick the next quarterback. I mean, it just, that's why if you're John Elway, man, you have got to stay the course and maybe you do have to make a a different decision in 2021. Once you have a full 2020 body of work with which to evaluate, but it just drives me nuts that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think the apprehension and the lack of trust over Elway's quarterback picks that, that ended with Flacco and everything since then, it's just been, okay, we're forced to deal with Elway's decisions, but to make this this comment more specific, that draft quarterback prospect, you know who he's looking at here is Trey Lance. The big arm guy, the prototypical quarterback that Elway likes. He might be in the Broncos range if they have like a top six, top eight pick. I can see that happening for sure. Elway seems to like new shiny toys every year. He gets sick of the old ones that don't function anymore. And if Drew Locke is not what he thought he was going to be, then he will go get the guy that he thinks is going to be a better replacement. It's just how Elway operates. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden 
and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. This one here from Chad on Facebook. He wants to know about Shelby Harris. Is he going to play this week? We sure miss him. Not from the sounds of it. It sounds like because he's in the the, the protocol for the for the bug. Um, from what I've read and heard from Fangio this week, Zach, it doesn't sound like they're expecting him to clear protocol in time for the Dolphins game. Yeah, him or uh, defensive coordinator Ed Donatel, who's also dealing with the effects of the bug. So Shelby's still on the list, and until he gets cleared from that, uh, he's out. So That's we it. also learned. Let me let me find this really quick here uh, from Patrick Smythe, the uh, executive of PR over for the Denver Broncos. Here, bear with me one second. So first of all, it was kind. Of, we've we've known for the last week and a half or so, or is it? It might be approaching two weeks that Ed Donatel had the bug. Right. And that he had he was in the protocol and whatnot. And then today during his media availability, during his Zoom press conference, linebacker Alexander Johnson let slip that Ed had been hospitalized. That Donatel had actually been hospitalized, which is obviously highly concerning. Right. Especially with what we know about the virus and what we've learned through this really tough year. Patrick Smythe, though, kind of set the record straight. And this is good. This should be this should be a load off everyone's shoulders. He said, quote, Ed Donatel is at home recovering after being taken to the hospital last week for co uh, for the for the CV related <laughs> symptoms. Ed is feeling much better, starting to participate in virtual meetings and doing light physical activity. Ed is grateful for the support and looks forward to rejoining the team. So that's good. That, that means that yeah. you know he's out of the woods, so to speak. Like if he's if they were able to get uh, let him out of out of the hospital, odds are that means his his oxygen saturation levels. Are, are okay. And now he's just got to kind of get back on his feet. Right. And of course, as always, health is the most important thing. So I'm happy he's personally recovering and football is a distant second. Uh, he won't likely be coaching this week though. Fangio said he doesn't expect him back in the building. And even when he does come back to work, he has to pass a series of tests just to get back in a Dove Valley facility. So not this week, but it's look, it's encouraging that he's getting better every single day and he's feeling better physically. It's a scary situation. All right. I'm trying to think here of some of the other, so I'm trying to think of any other moves. Oh, the Broncos have a new tight end. Now, of course, over the last two, three weeks, we know that the Broncos have put three different tight ends on injured reserve. Uh, Andrew Beck, Jake Butt, and then, unfortunately, the rookie Albert Okuebuna. So they went out and signed to the practice squad Jordan Leggett. Clemson, right? Former Clemson star, if I'm not mistaken. You have the story on that, Zach. Yeah, former Clemson guy. He was a former fifth-round pick of the Jets. He started I be- a handful of games for them, and uh, he moved on to Tampa Bay. He spent the 2019 uh, season with them and the, and the regular season on their practice squad. He was a highly touted prospect at Clemson, Chad. He's a dual-threat kind of tight end, meaning he's a good blocker and a willing pass catcher. In the pre-draft process, he was compared to Delaney Walker, the former Titans tight end. Not a bad guy to have on the practice squad. Certainly like him more than uh, Fumagalli. Certainly like him more than Jake. But um, if he can learn the playbook, I think he'll, he'll see some offensive time this year, if only because of the injuries. With Bud and Albert O being out for the season, I want to see what he can do. So, yeah, former fifth-round pick. Uh, had a very prolific career at Clemson, and yeah, he's he's an exciting young 
young guy. I want to read this just real quick to give fans who might not know a lot about Leggett. You you found a nice quote here from Bleacher Reports, Matt Miller, who's been their, their draft guru for many years. A quote, a prototypical tight end, Jordan Leggett, has NFL size and produced well in an offense that asked him to be a blocker and a receiver, a natural receiver, Leggett, routinely makes grabs in traffic and is able to pull the ball in away from his frame. He uses his length well and his massive 10 and 3 eighths inch hands. When leg is dialed in, he can be a tremendous threat up the seam and in the red zone. He gets his head around quickly to locate the ball and then more kind of scoutish type of stuff. But, you know, that's it's solid. Like for whatever the Broncos might have lost in um, Albert O, right, in that having a having a Noah Fant who can stretch the seam, do a lot of things with that speed and that receiving ability. You're not getting a guy that's as dynamic in terms of the twitch and the and the speed, but it's a similar player in terms of what he could do for you as a receiver. Yeah, that's a very good point. The only concern there is um, he had knee surgery uh, a couple years ago, so that's another injured tight end, but he, he's a lot like a Noah Fant and Alberto hybrid and to an extent. Again, not a season savior, but a good guy to have on the practice squad. And considering the depth chart right now, I think he'll get some playing time uh, next couple of weeks. Hopefully, we never know. Yes, yes. That just reminded me of a story. Uh, not a story. Uh, something that occurred on Twitter. I want to say it was yesterday. Yes, here it is. Let me, let me show you guys this, Zach. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. John and I were talking about it right before we went live tonight. And I want to get your thoughts on the record here. So, no offense made uh, kind of a, a uh, I don't know, mysterious tweet. He made waves. Uh, and then it was followed up. So he said, control what you can control. This was yesterday. This was on Tuesday. He tweeted, control what you can control. That's all. That's my tweet for today. And then this Twitter user uh, replied, uh, and he tagged Drew Locke, like, just come on, dude. You're not good enough, and your team knows it. And then Fant replied underneath, no, 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 no. That's my QB. So Fant is is doing uh, his best Terrell Owens impression on Twitter, granted. But nevertheless, Zach, that I, I take that as some small sign, all right, that Drew Locke has not lost the locker room, They're, that his teammates still believe in him and are, and are working through it. As frustrated as they might be, I think he still has that. Even He might have lost a few true believers, but I think they're still with him for the most part. I am going to take, figuratively take my hat off and put my tinfoil hat on. This can also be interpreted as a sign that the Broncos players in the locker room are committed to lock, whereas Fangio, not so much. Fangio is opening the door for Brett Rippon to start now, regardless of Drew Locke's health. And when you have Noah Fan, who came up with Drew Locke and they've been, they have a great rapport, but that's the, the mutiny that you risk. That's the fracture that you risk if you mishandle this situation like I believe Fangio would if he plays Brett Rippon over a uh, healthy enough Drew Locke. So we know how the players feel, especially the young players in the locker room. They like Drew. Say what you want about that. Say what you want about their feelings. They like number three. If Fangio has different agenda, it can really cause a problem and some friction in Dove Valley. You know, look, Fangio's – and by the way, happy birthday, Wyatt. I uh, hope you have a great one, my friend. And I hope the Broncos do deliver you a W for, yes. for your birthday, my friend. Um, but, you know, Fangio, the thing is – and this kind of – this is a good point here from Jake on Facebook. Sometimes I think Locke is trying too hard. He will learn. They need to give him time and better coaching. Another way of saying that, Zach, is that he's pressing, right? He's yeah. The pressure is coming on. To, it's it's internal and it's also external, and, he, and it ends up in, in the player pressing. And, and how that shakes out on the field is often – 
missed reads, forced balls, um, rushed play. Like it all ends up into this really ugly snowball effect. And in the case of Brett Rippon, I think what most fans would see if he does end up playing on Sunday, and maybe this would be good for Drew. This is just me trying to find a silver lining if Brett Rippon plays, is maybe it would be good for Drew to to see a guy come in there because for whatever Brett Rippon might lack athletically and as, as as a true dynamic thrower of the football, he does make up for with that football brain and his ability to put touch and accuracy on the ball and throw into the future, know the scheme, recognize defenses pre-snap, recognize coverages, adjust protections pre-snap, all that stuff that right now is it feels like for Locke is going a mile a minute. It might be good for him to see Rippon go out there and do it and go, if he can do it, I can do it. I, what am I doing? I need to chill. I'm just, I'm, this has just gotten out of control. I can do this. Maybe that would be good. But, Zach, one of the things that speaks to Fangio's perhaps leaning toward Rippon at this point is, you know, he's – he, he feels the pressure to win. And if he thinks Brett Ripping can get out there and competent, more competently manage the offense, maybe he's not going to be that big play potential guy that Locke is on a snap-in, snap-out basis, but maybe Fangio trusts him a little bit more to competently manage the game. If Fangio felt pressure to win, he'd fire McMahon and make Pat Shermer get Philip Lindsay carries. And the thing about Drew Locke being erratic and and getting too thinking too much and playing out of control, it is his style. But when you have a quarterback like that, and I hate to be hypocritical, but look at Josh Allen. He, he was very erratic his first season, and when he throw those picks, what Buffalo would do, a good coaching staff, is settling him down by leaning on the running game and throwing high percentage passes. Four carries compared to forty seven pass attempts for Drew Locke in a one-possession game where your quarterback is struggling. If you have a quarterback who's thinking too much, it's the onus is on the coaching staff, Chad. That's why you have a coaching staff to settle him down. You lean on the running game. You have more play action. You do whatever you can to put the quarterback in a better, better rhythm for himself and for the team. And he's being failed. You can blame all you want for the picks and the, and the inaccuracy and his footwork, but Pat Shermer and this coaching staff has failed him this regular season. I agree on a, on a macro level. I really do. I think that, you know, and again, it's hard to, and by the way, thank you, Stu, Stu me jumping in with a very generous super chat. It's a super sticker. It says number one, it doesn't translate when we show super stickers. It doesn't show the little emoji thing that pops up on YouTube, but Stu me, we, we love you. Appreciate you, my friend. It does mean a lot to us. Um, I lost my train of thought on what I was going to say, but nevertheless, with regard to uh, with regard to Vic Fangio and no, it was the offense. Sorry, throw that back up, John. Before I almost lost my train of thought, I got it back. You know, Rich Scangarello. Look, Vic Fangio couldn't have didn't have a crystal ball. He couldn't have, he couldn't have predicted that 2020 was going to feature a pandemic that would completely reshape the NFL. But nevertheless, that's going to be a fateful decision that's going to haunt him and this team. Unless they can turn it around. Christopher DO44, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, Chris, you. jumping in. He says, if Garrett Bowles got four years, Locke should get three. Good to see you guys back. You know, this was a perspective I had to start this season. It really was. I was like, you know what? Even if Locke doesn't have a great 2020, this is me. And you guys who've been with us a long time can remember me saying these type of things during the offseason and in the summer. But no, Locke gets 2020. He gets 2021. But it's been impressed upon me a little bit more, and I've kind of come. They've kind of swung me, guys like um, Nick Kendall and and Eric Trickle. And look, in today's NFL, with how quickly quarterbacks are coming out of the box and onto the field and playing well, 
NFL teams can't afford the traditional, let's give them their full rookie contract term to figure this thing out. And, you know, Locke has to show more in order for the Broncos to give him 2021 carte blanche, Zach, he's just frankly got to show more than what he's shown up to this point. And yes, Bowles did get the full four years and it paid dividends up to this point. It really has paid dividends for the Broncos, but quarterback's just a different animal without the quarterback. Like you can survive. I get it. Left tackle is a franchise is a franchise building block cornerstone piece that you got to have on the roster, but you can survive as a team with a fair to middling and even a subpar left tackle if you have a quarterback, but the, the, the inverted can't be set. If you have a subpar, uh, you know, less than average quarterback, you're just going to be three and six. And that's what it's looking like right now. Yeah, Chad, that's the exact point I was going to make. It's apples and grapes. I mean, a left tackle versus a quarterback. That's why they get more time. And let me tell you something. The only reason Garrett Bowles got as long as he did is the same reason Paxton Lynch got as long as as he did. They both were first-round picks of Elway, and and Elway wanted to give Bowles every single chance to justify that pick and to wipe some egg off his face. And whether that's the same with Drew Locke being a second-round pick, we do not know, but I wouldn't draw that comparison. I think it's uh, a little, you know, uneven. You know, I'm still going back and forth on it, to be honest with you. I'm not sure exactly what my – how if I was making that decision, the one thing I could tell you right now is, regardless, I would be – pedal to the metal on getting Drew as many games this year as possible. Oh, yeah. And then I would, and then I would yeah. cross that bridge in 2021. Um, Spicy Mike with a good question here on YouTube. He says, how much influence does Fangio have on offense? Is his philosophy on how an offense should attack a defense going into game calling, play calling, game planning? Fangio's influence on the offense technically is absolute. He's the head coach. So in other words, if he walks into Pat Shermer's office and says, here's what you're doing henceforth, then that's what goes. He's the boss. Zach, the question is, is he exerting that influence? I, I don't think he is. He's the guy that wants the the head coach of the offense. He That's why he wanted <clears> – one of the many reasons why he wanted Pat Shermer was he wanted to be able to focus on his defense. He wanted to be able to focus on managing the game, and he wanted someone else to basically be the head coach of the offense – and what better guy than a two-time former head coach to do that in in Pat Shermer? In Fangio's yeah. mind, that's veteran experience, wherewithal. I can trust it. Rich Gangarello, one year, you did a good job getting Drew Locke through his rookie learning curve. Catch you on the flip-flop. And as far as his his philosophy goes, we know what Fangio likes. He he His thing, anytime you ask him about what he likes offensively, he always uses the B word, Zach. Balance. And he's not just talking about run to pass ratio, but how you run, how you pass. And it's in that nuance is what keeps defenses on their heels. I'm not seeing any nuance in Pat Shermer's scheme. Yeah. I mean, what better guy than Pat Shermer, the guy who was fired by the Browns and the New York Giants, two of the best franchises in the NFL. Uh, Fangio's influence on the offense is limited to uh, looking at them through a defensive prism. It's looking at what the offense can do against his defense. He really, like Chad just explained, he's really set in his ways. And that goes back to him being stubborn and maybe not the best fit to be a head coach in this league. Maybe that's why he was always a coordinator. I don't think he has any input. I think he truly delegates to Pat Shermer and lets him run the entire operation. And that's proven to be a fatal flaw in the Broncos season. Here's a good question for for Zach here from Superbot on YouTube, he says, Zach, since you know about cowboy business, can you tell us if there's any possibility that Jerry Jones doesn't sign Dak Prescott and we could go after him in free agency? That's one of Zach's jobs in the NFL is covering the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys for 
heavy.com. What's your answer, Zach? Well, find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Nothing surprises me anymore because this time last year, I thought they would sign Dak to his deserved multi-year extension. I don't think he hits the open market. In a worst-case scenario, they will franchise tag him again at a guaranteed $37.7 million, and that's still, I think, less than what he would make on the open market. His injury muddies things, but let me just say one thing. I was going to tweet this. I was writing a story yesterday, and I accidentally wrote Denver Broncos quarterback D-A-K-P, and I stopped myself there, and I got sad because I want that so bad. You put a healthy Dak Prescott on this team with a healthy offense, this is a 10-11 win Broncos team. I'd love to have Dak top eight quarterback in the NFL at worst. I just don't think he leaves Dallas. They'd be ridiculously stupid to let him get away. Uh, Duke. Boynton, one of our superstars, he's up there on the MHH Mount Rushmore. This is a cat that I love. Duke, it's good to see you, my friend. He says, the Broncos are a shell of their former championship years for years now. It's not even entertaining to watch them play, but we've been spoiled. Yeah, to a point, Broncos fans have been spoiled in in terms of, you know, I guess predating 83 because you had the Orange Crush in the one Super Bowl lost to the Dallas Cowboys, speaking of the Cowboys. But, yeah, the Broncos have been spoiled. You got really lucky that John Elway landed the biggest free agent fish in the history of the NFL and and convinced Peyton Manning to sign in Denver. And it has been some good times, but it's also been some pretty dark years. And, unfortunately, you're, you're, you're reaching a point where all of that cachet, trust, benefit of the doubt that Elway built up as a player and a front office guy through 2015, and I'll say 2016, it has really not been able to withstand how bad 2017, 18, 19, and 20 have been up to this point. And any, I mean, I've seen multiple takes from NFL analysts across the, the, the country this last week or so say things to this point. I can't refute it. I can't pick a bone. I can't pick a nit. This is true. If John Elway were the GM of any other NFL team, see ya, he'd be fired. That's the truth. I can't, I mean, look, that's just the truth. So, but he's under contract for, through 2021. It seems like Joe Ellis and he are, are kind of attached at the hip in terms of the top executives 
um, for ones on the business side, ones on the NFL side. But Joe Ellis also is CEO. Okay. And he's also one of the three members of the Pat Bowen Trust. So he does wield more power than Elway. If his name was John Smith and not John Elway, he would have been fired, Chad. And you can argue he never would have gotten the job if he didn't have the last name Elway. They did have great success in the 90s, the 2000s. Elway won a title as a player, as an executive. But, you know, all things come to an end. There's always a transition. Look at the Patriots this season. They're going through what's going to be rebuilt for them as well. Every team goes through it. You could argue, though, that they should have blown it all up and hired the right coach in 2017. That was the rebuild time. That was when they could have done it the right way. But they brought the wrong coach in to handle that rebuild, and they made it, uh, I believe Vance called it a reboot and not a rebuild. They, they didn't handle it the right way. That's what you put on Elway. His, his coaching selections have been the dominoes that have fallen, that have led the Broncos to where they are now, which is totally irrelevant, completely. Josh, jumping back in, appreciate you, J.J., he says it's easy to stop the run and make our O-line look bad when defenses have zero worry about setting the edge. Last two weeks, teams are just crashing, and that's true. And that should be jumping out on tape. You know, you have to wonder how much not having a true buy really hurt this team because it's during the buy where teams do self-scout. They look at their own film. They check their own tendencies. They try and figure out what how other teams are viewing them and game planning against them because they have a week to do it. They have an additional week in the schedule. And this last time, even though they didn't have a game to play that in week five, they were told all week long they were prepping for a game. And it wasn't until the 11th hour after it had gotten rescheduled from the Sunday to the Monday that the NFL came and said, no, 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 actually we're going to go ahead and redo your whole schedule. You don't get a bye. You're playing this the, the Patriots next week. Zach, I do wonder how much that has impacted Shermer's apparent obliviousness to some of these issues but josh josh uh, Josh, you're not wrong dude inside outside zone rinse repeat inside outside zone rinse repeat there is no i I, let me see a trap let me see uh let me see a a, A toss toss. let me see a sweep all right let me see a guard pull every once in a while let me see something besides the, the 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 rinse repeat inside outside zone and Chad, how many times were the Broncos in second and short or third and short? The rare times they are, and they're in four and five wide shotgun snaps. It totally tees the defense off. It's going to be a passing play. There's no element of surprise. And I don't want to hear about excuses when you have 47 pass attempts and you give Philip Lindsay, your most explosive playmaker, four carries, four carries. He should be having that in half a quarter, let alone a game. I don't want to hear about bye week reps, pandemic, nothing. Pat Shermer is a terrible offensive coordinator for this team. Inexplicable and inexcusable. Josh Alstrom jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. By the way, we used to be connected on Twitter. I want to say it was Monday night show. It might have been Sunday night show. I was trying to find you to shout you out after the pod for, for being a superstar, and I couldn't find you. So if you're still on Twitter, let me know who what your handle is so we can stay connected. He says, I think whether we draft a new quarterback should be based on draft position. I don't want any trade-ups. So if we don't, will a top guy fall to us? I think the best case hope you would have if the draft ended, if the college season ended today, and let's just say Broncos are going to land somewhere in the top 10, the best chance you got, you're not getting close to Trevor Lawrence. You're not probably not getting close to Justin Fields. But as Zach mentioned earlier, uh, Trey Lance from from North Dakota State, and then also Zach Wilson from BYU. 
But I don't, you know, if you're going to go with Zach Wilson, you might as well ride it out with Drew Locke because Zach Wilson is so similar (laughs) to Drew, so similar in terms of raw, just very talented, but so, so raw and unrefined. So I agree with you on one hand there, Josh, that it does depend on draft position is going to factor into draft priorities on some level. But at the same time, if you're convinced based on his body of work that Drew Locke is not the guy, you now know, in, if you're John Elway and you're this front office, you don't have a quarterback. What wouldn't you pay then to get tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence? Go sell the farm. This team is already so deep and talented. Once they get these horses back that are hurt, these last three drafts, Elway has done a good job in the draft, stocking the shelves. You inject Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you mortgage 2021, you mortgage 2022 in terms of the draft. Uh, I should say 2022 and uh, 2023 in terms of the draft. But what you make up for is the next Andrew Luck, the next Peyton Manning, according to the draft mix. Yeah, it's a tough question to answer without knowing where the Broncos are going to be drafting. I think right now they're, what, 11th overall, which is not in range for a top quarterback. It's also tough to know without the pre-draft process playing out where these quarterbacks are going to go. There's always a riser. There's always a faller. Look at Josh Rosen a few years ago and look at his career now. Um, I think a lot depends on where they are and how close they are to their prospective quarterback target. If they can trade a few spots for Trey Lance, I think they might do that. But if they're in the a 12 range, 11 range, and the quarterbacks are off the board, they might just take a quarterback in the second round, put up against Drew Locke, and be like, best man wins the job. I, I think Locke stays on the roster next year because he's on his rookie contract still. He's, he's making peanuts as a second-round pick. It would be stupid to get rid of him when his upside is still technically there, theoretically. Um, it's, it's a multifaceted question to answer. I think Elway will be tempted. I don't see him selling the farm for Lawrence, nor do I see the Jets um, being open to trading out of that pick. But a guy like Wilson, a guy like uh, Trey Lance, I can definitely see it um, Elway percolating in his mind. Yes, indeed. All right, let's grab here KP. Big Kev, we love you. We appreciate you. One of our superstars, longtime listener, bona fide Lynchpin member of the MHH community. Thank you, Kevin. And he speaks to what we just said. Elway has stocked the shelves. There is talent on this team, which makes it all the more frustrating, the injuries they've suffered, and all the more frustrating the coaches haven't been able to maximize the talent. K.J. Hamler is a baller. I agree, man. He's a guy that's going to be – he could could very well be a stud for this team for many years to come. I've, for the most part, really loved what I've seen from him. I do worry about him being a little bit of an injury case. Yes, yes, Being yes. frank. But he's an explosive pop guy. You get him consistent uh, quarterback play and a consistent, competent game plan offensively week in and week out. You'll probably see Zach better, more competent, uh, consistent play from him. A couple drops here and there, but it's to be expected for a rookie that's still kind of making his way. Coaching, again, I, I hate to cite Buffalo once again and Brian Dayball, but look at Isaiah McKenzie. He's been a weapon for them since leaving the Broncos. Look at what John Brown has resurrected his career. And let me tell you something about K.J. Hamler. His upside dwarfs both of those players combined. He can be a, a legit poor man's version of Tyree Kill for this Broncos offense. A true game changer, but they're not even getting the ball in his hands. Nothing over the middle, no screens, no crossers, nothing imaginative. And that falls on the coaching. Hopefully, if the Broncos have a new coordinator next year, they can use him because he can be a true threat. I'm with you, though. The hamstring injuries, the soft tissue injuries, his injury prone, the Deshaun Jackson comparisons, those worry me. But on its face, his talent, his ceiling is just mouthwatering. Appreciate you, G Money. Really does mean a lot to us. Let me grab this from Jerry Holland, one of our Facebook supporters. And he's he's a guy that will go from Facebook 
over to YouTube, make a super chat. He just supports what we're doing here. We appreciate you, Jerry. He wants to know, is there a scenario where the O-line guys help point out the defensive scheme coming at Locke? I mean, that's part of what – it's another thing kind of exacerbating the situation is you've got a rookie center. And that's something that a, a veteran center is supposed to do, Zach, is to kind of help call out protections, who's the mic, all these – and. Lloyd Cushenberry is doing those things, but he's obviously he's so so knee deep in his own learning right. curve. He's swimming. Yeah, he's he's swimming just as much that. Yeah, and you can't expect a young offensive line. I mean, it's the coaching. He, Locke, this is all on Locke as well. He has to know the protection. He has to know and recognize the pre-draft coverage, the blitzers. That's on Locke, but when you have a, a a rookie center, when you don't pay a guy like Matt Paradis, even Connor McGovern, when you don't keep continuity on that line, what do you expect? Yeah. Naj, it's good to see you, my friend. Appreciate your generosity and support. As always, man, it just it's it just means a lot to us. He says, Hey brothers, 21 turnovers. Do they script the early plays? Yes. If so, what are they practicing? Opening drives are usually run minus yards on first down, incomplete or sack on second, and then an incomplete on third, a broken record. So, yes, they do. Most NFL coordinators do this. They script the first 15 to 18 plays. And this was a this was something that was started by the great Bill Walsh back in the day, all right, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, scripting it. And sometimes you have to go off script earlier than you, before you get through those 15 to 18 plays, depending on game flow. But in their case, yeah, I mean, that that's another thing, Zach, making it so sad is that they are scripting these games and the first half without fail. I mean, th- I'm trying to think now. Tennessee, think about that Noah Fant touchdown Drew Locke threw over the middle, very similar to the touchdown he caught against the Texans last year from Drew Locke. Outside of that, it was a first-half play. What have the Broncos done in the first half through more than now half the season? Like, it boggles the mind how imp- – uh, incompetent and impotent they've been in the first half. Say what you want about Scangarello, but he was killed for his scripting plays and the way he started games, but I can never remember Locke starting so slowly every single week. It just seemed like Scangarello was a much better play caller for Locke's skill set, and he got Locke going before the fourth quarter. Again, I hate to say it, but coaching, coaching, coaching. All right, uh, John, do you have the great – there he is, Ron Dub. Good to see now, you, this Ron. Is a, this is a cat that's been with us a long time, long-time listener, yeah. bona fide and long-time Super Chat superstar, and always brings the great questions. We appreciate you so much, Ron. And, uh, you know, we just love having you in the stream, my, my friend. He says, hey, guys, long time. This offense needs more creativity, an innovative offensive mind. I'm trying to be patient with Locke, but it's hard. Who on this team do you see making the Pro Bowl? Ooh, good question. That actually – ties into something that Vic Fangio said today. Let's ask Vic, and then we'll answer. I, all right, we'll kind of riff off. I can't Vic. believe one guy he mentions here. It's so egregious to me. All right, It'll all right, jump out right. to you, too. Here you go, gang. Here's Vic's quote. Obviously, being the coach of the team, I'm going to go overboard. Bowles, Reisner, obviously on the O-line, are two guys that I think would deserve consideration. Glasgow, Glasgow. possibly. <laughs> Jesus. But he's missed a few of these games. I think Shelby was playing well. Obviously, he's going to miss three games. That always hurts a little bit. Bradley Chubb, doing well. I think Bryce Callahan is doing well. Both safeties, Kareem and Justin Simmons, doing well. Both inside linebackers are are playing good for us, AJ and Josie. 
I believe all those guys and Brandon McManus obviously I think deserves strong consideration. Let me answer close quote. Let me answer Ron here. It starts and ends with these three names, Garrett Bowles, Bryce Callahan, and maybe Brandon McManus. But I don't mm-hmm. see Brandon McManus garnering enough. The Broncos aren't good enough as an offense, as a team that scores, as a team that wins, for the kicker to get in. Like you need to be on a team that's actually scoring and winning, usually to be a pro bowler at the kicker level. But to me, Zach, it's Bowles, it's Callahan, and maybe McManus. That's it. Uh, first of all, I know Fangio is being a head coach, and it's, it's it's you know coach speak to hype up your own players, but it calls into question his offensive competence. If you're watching this offensive line and watching Riser's regression, and especially watching Glasgow, who I've hammered on Twitter, who's been very underwhelming after signing an $11 million annual deal, it's like, what are you looking at? Do you really have no understanding of the offense? Are you just a defensive guy? But I digress on that. Bryce Callahan, to me, is a lock. He should be an all-pro, let alone pro bowler. McManus, he's been money this year. I think he would have a shot at it. Simmons, I could see getting in on name recognition alone. Obviously, Vaughn would, too, if he was playing this year. He hasn't been a Pro Bowl caliber player. It's hard for me to justify. I can maybe see Garrett Bowles, but based on his reputation as well, I don't think he's gonna. he doesn't have the name cachet to get in. The only guy that I think is a true lock is Callahan, and it's well-deserved. You know, I could see now, even though I don't think technically he's deserving, all right, I could see Justin Simmons getting in because oftentimes what happens is a player goes from, you know, one or two years of kind of finding his way, making his way in the league, and then he has his pop year. And it comes, you know, in a contract year or whatever. In the in Simmons' case, it was on a it was a pop year on a bad team. And so he didn't get the Pro Bowl love, but he did get from the Associated Press second team all pro. And what often happens in those situations is they have their pop year, and because they kind of came out of nowhere, so to speak, for the for the the the, the NFL at large, I'm talking coaches, players, and fans, they don't get the Pro Bowl love. But the next year, that residual kind of higher elevated profile inflates what they do the second year. And in this case, I could see Justin Simmons getting a Pro Bowl nod, and it would kind of be for in this case, you know, making up for the fact that he was snubbed last year because he was a top one, two, three safety in the league last year, period. Like, he was great. Hasn't been that this year. Erratic, up and down. He's he's produced some stats. You know, he does have three interceptions, and that's been nice, but he's been – you want to talk about up and down? You want to talk about erratic? I mean, Zach, he is never going to live down that missed tackle on Sam Darnold in week four, <laughs> ever. Yeah. You, can you go to the Pro Bowl and look your your dudes in the eye and be like, hey, guys, yeah, that was me that let Sam Darnold roll for 42 yards. Mm, yeah, Kareem, too, who took a horrible angle. Wasn't quite as punked as Simmons was on that play, but still really ugly on, on Kareem's part, too. How about last week against the Raiders? Josh Jacobs just gallivants to the end zone, and there's no there's no resistance. Justin Simmons kind of pulls up lane. He's been a borderline, borderline top 12 safety. The only thing a Pro Bowl nod would do was increase his price tag. And I don't think the Elways are uh, – Elways. I don't think the Broncos are committing a multi-year <laughs> deal. Yeah, there's a Freudian slip if there's ever one. I, I don't think they're committing a multi-year deal at this point <laughs> to Simmons. The only guy um, – and, and usually, Chad, bad teams don't get a lot of Pro Bowl players. The bad teams are really kind of ignored. But the only guy that's worthy of it that I think is a lock, it should be, is, is Bryce Callahan. He's been excellent this year. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, it has been great. I'm trying to think if we missed any of the storylines that I wanted to get to tonight. It's been just a very tumultuous couple of days. I think 
we pretty much landed on everything that needed to be covered. We'll see how things develop with Drew over the next couple of days. You know, with Vic Fangio, again, he makes so much out of it. It bothers me. If a player isn't at least limited on Thursday, and if he's not full on Friday, unless he's Vaughn, unless he's Shelby, unless he's a sweetheart of the coaches, he's not. But it's your quarterback, all right? You got to be able to trust your quarterback to be on the field, be in the game meetings, maybe not practicing, but he's there. And if he wakes up on Sunday and says, I can go, that should be enough to start him if you're the Denver Broncos. We'll see how it shakes out, Zach. Yeah, we'll know tomorrow. Uh, they'll update lock status at the end of their uh, practice. But if he's another DMP, he's not playing Sunday. He has to be at least limited both days, tomorrow and Friday, to have any shot. But right now, it's looking like Brett Rippon is going to draw the start against that really tough Dolphins defense. Guys, in the meantime, as we sign off tonight, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Keep the conversation going with us there. Also, the main account, at MileHighHuddle. And on Twitter, follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, at KelbermanNFL, as you can see here on the screen. And then you can find me, at Chad and Jensen, our producer, John K., John Cronenberg. On Twitter, it's at John K., MHH. A great Twitter follow. Trust me on that. You'll really enjoy the conversations you'll have on Twitter with John. And then, you know, listen, we want you at MileHighHuddle.com. Today, uh, all week long, as I've been traveling and doing some, some family stuff, Zach has been on fire, just dropping article after article, covering all the news that's happening out of Broncos HQ. And we want you guys there. I mean, we we love showing up for you from six to seven each and every on the four nights a week that Zach and I do the Huddle Up podcast. We love doing that. But you can reach us outside of the six to seven o'clock hour by coming over to milehighhuddle.com. So many of you do this, but I want to remind everyone, go to the website, go to milehighhuddle.com, part of Sports Illustrated and read the articles, comment. We want your takes. Share what your thoughts are on the very issues that myself and Zach and other great writers like Bob and Nick and Eric are are talking about at the site. So do that. But Mile High Salute to our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. You guys mean the world to us. And thanks to each and every one of you for showing up here tonight. I know things, Zach, you know, aren't going well for this this team, and it's just another one of those type of years for the fans. But we appreciate the – passion of our dedicated audience it's been a trying year from start to finish not just with football but you guys are the one constant this podcast is the one constant and we get so many comments that are saying and praising us for distracting you guys or providing you entertainment you do the same thing for us you're our escape as well you're our little slice of paradise four nights a week so again mile high salute we cannot appreciate you or thank you enough we'll see you tomorrow night You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.